Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. to our worship service. This is our second 50th anniversary service. Our first service, which we had back in May, uh, emphasized the past 50 years. Now with this service, the emphasis is more on looking to the future and, God willing, yes, the next 50 years, but doing so in the understanding of mission work and proclaiming God's holy name to especially the lost souls in our area, but also throughout the world. For our 50th anniversary service in the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, with an emphasis on missions, I draw your attention to the Old Testament lesson from Jonah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Keep in mind that Jonah has been sent by God to preach to the enemies of Israel. And so one may be tempted to think, does mission work really work, or is it just a waste of time? Notice how through the power of the gospel and the preaching of the message by Jonah, the Holy Spirit clearly moved hearts. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, just as the word of the Lord had commanded. Now Nineveh was a great city to God. It required a three-day walk. Jonah walked through the city for a day, and he called out, 40 more days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. The men of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the Word reached the king of Nineveh. He got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He then issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his leading officials, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat food or drink water. Instead, let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call fervently to God. Let them turn from their evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster which he said he would bring on them and he did not carry it out. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning at the 25th verse. This is the true story of Philip and the Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit sent Philip to go and witness to this Ethiopian who was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. And we'll hear the beautiful message that Philip had the opportunity to proclaim. This text will also serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. After Peter and John had settled and spoke the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. 
An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is an isolated area. So he got up and went. And there was a man, an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was on his way home, sitting in his chariot and reading the prophet of Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, go over there and stay close to that chariot. Philip ran up to it and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will talk about his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else. Then Philip began to speak. Starting with that very passage of scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were traveling along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is there to prevent me from being baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they stepped up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch did not see him anymore, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, found himself at Azotus, and as he went from place to place, he preached the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the gospel of Matthew chapter 9, beginning at the 35th verse. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were troubled and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his harvest field. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The words of God we focus on today come from our New Testament lesson from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is a big number celebration. Because today you're celebrating 50 years that's a big number. 50 years of beautiful gospel ministry here on the west side of Colorado Springs. And if you think that's a big number, have you ever thought about some of the numbers that go along with that? How many baptisms during the course of those 50 years? How many confirmations? How many weddings? How many Funerals, how many sermons and Bible classes, how many people 
have passed in and out of those doors over the course of the last 50 years? How many times have you done it personally? Is it in the hundreds, the thousands, the ten thousands? Today's a big number celebration because today you are celebrating 50 years of beautiful gospel ministry. Now let's get even bigger. Have you ever thought about your 50 years of ministry here at Salem in the grand scheme of your church body, which has been around three times longer than that? There's over 1,200 churches in our church body just like yours. Over 300,000 church members in our church body that are just like you. Over 30 other church bodies scattered throughout the entire world with whom we have the privilege of walking together in fellowship that are just like our church body. Now how many baptisms? Now how many confirmations? Now how many marriages? Now how many funerals? And that's even just thinking about ministry at our time and in our place. Can you think, as you think of the grand scope of the history of our entire world, can you even contemplate the big number work that our God has been doing as he has led his church with his word throughout the ages? We're celebrating that today, even as we celebrate this, 50 years of beautiful gospel ministry here at Salem. We're celebrating the work that God has been doing through ministries just like this one, and through people just like you, all over the world, throughout all the ages of history. Today is a big number celebration. Here, and because of the gospel ministry work that God has been doing all over the world, throughout the ages. Do the big numbers ever make you feel really, really small. After all, you're just one. Just one small person in the grand scheme of all of the people that we just talked about. You're just one in the midst of the hundreds, the thousands, the ten thousands. Just one in the midst of the countless that God has brought to himself throughout the ages from all four directions of our globe. Just one. You, personally, singly, individually. Just one in the sea of the countless. Just one small one in the midst of all of the really big numbers. Do you think all that much would change if, if you weren't a part of it? I mean, if you weren't here, Salem would probably still be celebrating 50 years of beautiful gospel ministry today. If you weren't here, our church body would probably still have over 1,200 churches just like this one, over 300,000 church members that are just like you. We'd still be walking together in fellowship with over 30 other church bodies just like ours from all over the world. If you weren't here, you, personally, individually, singly, you, the one in the sea of the countless, if you weren't here, do the big numbers ever make you feel small? 
Well, let's look again at the scripture text before us today from Acts chapter 8. Because as we do, the Lord is going to show us that those two things really aren't at odds at all. Our big number celebration, that is, and your personal, individual soul. In fact, in God's heart and in God's mind, those two things go hand in hand. Today's a big number celebration. And it's a big number celebration because of your individual soul. And it's a big number celebration because of souls of others that are just like yours. Today's a big number celebration because you are not small to God. You know, I'd imagine the Ethiopian man we met in today's text from Acts chapter 8 was feeling pretty small. He was a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, Luke tells us, and he was in charge of all her treasury. I know that sounds like a pretty high-profile job, doesn't it? He got to work in the queen's palace. That means he, he probably got paid pretty well, probably had a pretty nice house of his own, probably associated with the most important people in the land. Doesn't seem to be much small about that at all. But look deeper, because what a person looks like on the outside isn't always a very good reflection of how they're feeling on the inside. First of all, his job came with a price. You see, in order to work in the queen's palace, you had to become a eunuch. And if you don't know what that is, well, let's just say the queen didn't have to worry about a eunuch taking his own family and forming a coup to put his own family on the line because a eunuch couldn't have a family. That means no family to come home to in that big house that he might have had. It means no family Christmas mornings. It means no family dinners. It means no hugs and kisses from little ones to wake him up every morning. And it wasn't just that. Think about where this man just was. Luke tells us he was traveling back home from worship in Jerusalem. As an African man visiting Israel, I'd imagine he maybe felt a little bit out of place. He would have talked differently. He would have looked different. He probably didn't know anybody. And on top of all of that, here he is traveling back home on an isolated desert road. God makes a point to tell us that this is an isolated area, and he's reading his Bible without really any understanding of it at all. Can you picture all of the questions that were probably swirling through his mind? Big questions. Questions about God. Questions about himself. Questions about his salvation and how he fit in in a relationship with God. Is it possible that this really important official of the queen, an official that was in charge of all the queen's treasury. Do you think it was possible that he was feeling pretty small? Well, that's when our God decided to jump into this man's life in a really big way to let him know, nope, you're not 
small to me at all. God sent him that message through a pastor named Philip. A man, Luke tells us, that was sent directly by God to tell this one lonely soul on this isolated road in the desert leading to Africa about Jesus. The Spirit told Philip, go over there and stay close to that chariot. Philip ran up to it, verse 30 tells us, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So together they started to look at what he was reading. It happened to be from Isaiah chapter 58, a beautiful prophecy that spoke very beautifully about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, Isaiah wrote, and the two of them read together. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will talk about his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. As they read those words together, the eunuch then asked Philip, Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip's heart must have been racing with excitement to tell this man desperate for answers about his Savior. Luke tells us, starting with that very passage of Scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Could you imagine that conversation? This eunuch got his own personal Bible information class from Pastor Philip right there in the back of that chariot, and it all centered around the good news about Jesus. You see, Philip could have explained to him the sheep that Isaiah is talking about here. That's Jesus. He was the one who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That's talking about Jesus' death. He just died on a cross in Jerusalem where you just came from. His was the life that was taken from the earth. But, Philip could have told him, his death was not in vain. In fact, that was part of the plan. Because through his death, all of your sins have been paid for. And so through his death, you, dear eunuch, have forgiveness of sins. And through faith in him, where sins are forgiven, there is life with God, now and forever. It was the good news about Jesus, and this eunuch had never heard it before. <coughs> Would God really do all of that just for me? You can hear the eunuch asking after Philip got done speaking. And Philip could have told him, yeah, of course he would. He loves you. In fact, he did. He did it all for you because you are not small to him. You are important to God. Simple baptism later, we're told, and that eunuch went on his way rejoicing. And why wouldn't he? Assured of his forgiveness and assured of the life with God that he now had because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ in his place. He now knew that he, him, his personal, individual soul, he now knew that he was not small to God. 
numbers ever make you feel small? Like it wouldn't really matter all that much whether you were here or not, because everything would go along, it seems, just as it is, with or without you. Well, Christians, you are not small. Not even on this big number day. You are not small because you are not small to God. Do you know how I know that? It's because what God was willing to do for this one lonely soul on this isolated desert road leading to Africa, he's also done for you. He's told you the story of the, the good news about Jesus. And he's done it through ministries just like this one, who have shared with you that good news story of Jesus. And through ministries just like these one, he has assured you that that story is for you. And not just for you, plural. It's for you, singular. Jesus lived for you, singular. Jesus died for you, singular. Jesus rose for you, singular. You too were connected to Jesus through the waters of your baptism, and that means everything that Christ won for the world through his work, forgiveness, salvation, life in his name now and forever. Jesus won and did all of those things for Today is a big number celebration, and it's a big number because God has been doing his big number kingdom work one soul at a time so that he could win souls just like you. Sing. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it, to, to put ourselves in the shoes of, of this Ethiopian, to to sympathize with his lonely situation, but then also to rejoice in the knowledge that God loves and cares specifically for you. You are not small <coughs> to God. What about Philip? Can you put yourself in his shoes too? <coughs> After all, as beautiful as a thing it is to be the listener to the good news about Jesus, this big number celebration today is also about being the sharer. So, can I tell you a thing or two about Philip, the sharer? Well, maybe let me put it to you this way. Philip knew a thing or two about big numbers. In fact, Philip, at least before this moment in time, was called to be the pastor at a church in Samaria, a land that was about 50 miles north of Jerusalem. And Philip's church in Samaria? Well, Philip's church in Samaria was booming. In the first half of Luke chapter, or of Acts chapter 8, Luke tells us that. Philip had the chance to preach the good news about Jesus to huge crowds, thousands, thousands, ten thousands perhaps, 
hearing the message every day from Philip in Samaria. In fact, Philip's mission church in Samaria was thriving so much and growing so rapidly, Luke tells us that the disciples Peter and John had to leave what they were doing in Jerusalem and go up to Samaria for a while to help Philip with the workload. So can you imagine Philip's surprise then? When the Lord called him to leave that booming mission field so that he could go and preach to this one lonely soul on this isolated road in the desert. God was teaching Philip something through that call. Do you see it? He was teaching Philip that his ministry, no matter how many hundreds, thousands, ten thousands he had the opportunity to interact with on a daily basis, his ministry was still about each individual soul. Because nobody is small to God. And you know what? Philip got the message. Isn't his reaction amazing? There's no disappointment. There's no questioning. There's no hesitation or talking back. I've got a good thing going here, God. And you want me to leave the many so I can go and preach to the one? No, there's none of that. Instead, there's just obedience. The Spirit told him to go, and so he went. In fact, he ran. Willing obedience. Joyful obedience. God, I love to do your will obedience. Like a little kid running after the ice cream truck, Philip ran up to that chariot because he knew that the person inside was not small. To God. Well, that lonely soul on that isolated road in the desert needed to hear the good news about Jesus. And so Philip told him. Because that, dear Christians, is how God builds his kingdom. He does it one soul at a time. And that's really what we're celebrating today. Are we celebrating the big numbers? We're celebrating the souls. We're celebrating each individual soul that God has brought into his kingdom here at Salem through your ministry over the last 50 years. And we're celebrating how God has used ministries just like yours all over the world and throughout his entire history of the world to do the same. All of it, God does one soul at a time, with none of them too small to escape his attention. So let that be what shapes your next 50 years, Christians. In fact, maybe that number is even too big for you to fathom. So, go smaller. Let that attitude be what shapes your today. Let it be what shapes your personal ministry. Let that attitude be what shapes your individual life. 
Because the opportunities to share the good news about Jesus with those who need to hear it, those opportunities don't just happen in those places that God is working all over the world. They don't just happen through the opportunities that we get to do as we work together as a church body. Those opportunities don't just happen even through the work that you do together here at Salem. No, those opportunities to share the good news about Jesus are for you. Singular. Those opportunities are just as individual as the individual souls that God loves and cares for so much. The opportunities that you have may not be as in your face as someone who opens up their Bible to Isaiah 53 and says, now can you please tell me who this is talking about? They might be, but most often, your opportunities are going to come through the people that you see every day through the people that God has brought to you and who has placed around you every day. And that means most of your opportunities are going to come through the simple and the boring and the mundane and the things that seem so small. They're going to come through your opportunities to speak the good news about Jesus with your mouth and to live the good news about Jesus with your life with each individual soul that you see every day. Because that's how God gets his big number kingdom work done, Christians. He does it by gathering individual souls to himself, one soul at a time. That's what Salem's been doing for the last 50 years. And it's what he calls you to do for the next 50 years. Start smaller. Do it with the next soul that you see. Because God promises to bless his big kingdom work as you work with individual souls who are just like you. Because you're not small to God. And nobody else is either. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.